Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that, according to the FDA, has absolutely no nutritional value. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's episode three of the Pipes Magazine radio show. I am your host, Brian Levine, for the weekly broadcast coming to you from PipesMagazine.com. The Pipes Magazine radio show, sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining 45-minute broadcast from my smoke-filled studio here at my office. It's going to be a fun show, let me tell you. In a few minutes, an interview with Mary McNeil. Before that, I'm going to get into estate pipes. We're going to talk about why and what. A little bit about all kinds of estate pipes. Got a great song for you picked out for later on after we talk to Mary. And then another rant coming up at the end of the show. Remember, Pipes Magazine Radio Show comes to you every week Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on PipesMagazine.com, and then shortly after that, you'll be able to get it through iTunes. In the meantime, hold on, here comes the show. This is Internet Radio. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Hi, this is Pipe Babe Cynthia, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. To find out more about Pipe Babe Cynthia or any of the other Pipe Babes, check out PipesMagazine.com and the Pipe Babes section of the website. Coming up in just a few minutes, Mary McNeil will be on the phone. If we're lucky, I'll get her to tell you about the time that she tried to kill me. Later on in the show, uh, respond to some comments on the forums. I'll have a rant at the end. I got a fun piece of music, but right now I want to get into estate pipes. So last week we talked about the differences between factory pipes, uh, artisan high grade, discussed all that. Estate pipes offer a great chance for those of us that don't have money trees growing in our backyard to get some really good pipes at a great price. Now, let me start off by saying, first of all, there is a difference between restoring a pipe and re-engineering a pipe. Most estate pipe sellers take a lot of time and effort to clean and take that pipe back to as original state as possible. They try to remove the ghost of the previous pipe smokers tobacco out of it they try to buff out all the dings and all the dents and take the bowl down to just the final layers of cake that is what i call pipe restoration pipe re-engineering is what i call when an estate seller 
might re-drill the tobacco chamber and put a fresh bowl coating in. Use a drill instead of pipe cleaners to clean out the draft hole, clean out the mortise hole. I call it re-engineering because they are changing the original dimensions of the interior of the pipe. They may even change the stem. To me, a estate pipe that is in pristine condition has been cleaned all the way down to the original state, and that is restoration. There are some people in the industry right now that are very good at restoring an estate pipe back to its original condition. Those are the pipes that I like. It's my opinion. You're welcome to it. I'm the leading expert on my opinion. I don't want the pipe re-drilled. I don't want a different bowl coating than what the original factory put in it. I don't want any additional dimensions changed. When I want a pipe, I want the pipe the way it came to the way it came from either the maker or the factory. Now, why do I like estate pipes? Well, for one reason, the money tree in the backyard dropped dead several years ago. You can get really good pipes at a discounted price. You can also find older pipes that aren't available anymore. That's the only place that you can find pre-transition barlings. Uh, Family-era Sassinis. Patent-era Dunhills. Old factory pipes restored well, smoke incredibly well. And they're sometimes a fraction of the cost of what the brand new pipe is. Artisan and high-grade pipes. I would rather spend some time looking around a pipe show or following some of the estate sellers and find a artisan that I want to buy a pipe from. I'm going to try out an estate pipe first. It's a way to get into a pipe without spending as much money as you would for a brand new one. You get into that pipe, you get it in restored condition so that you don't have a whole bunch of the flavor left over from the previous owner, and you get a chance to find out what that pipe maker's about. Now, with the artisans, you're not going to save as much money, but you are going to get a chance to get a pipe that you may not have been able to afford brand new, and we're all not... Yeah, not all of us are sitting here rolling in dough, so I like estate pipes because I can get more pipes for my money. I can get better pipes than what my money would normally afford me. Take some time to learn what the seller that you're buying from does to the pipes, what part of their ready-to-sell process is so that you understand exactly what you're getting. Are you getting a pipe that has been re-engineered was there damage to the stem and is it a replacement stem uh did they have to refinish the top of the bowl did they clean the pipe all the way down to fresh wood and re-bowl coat it if that's what you like fine but understand that there is a difference between restoring a pipe back to its original nature and re-engineering it or cleaning it all the way down and changing some of the original factory or manufacturer's uh, specs of the pipe. Once you understand what the pipe seller does to the pipe, find a pipe seller that you trust and that you like, get to know them, spend some time chatting with them on email, 
call them on the phone, whatever it be. Find out what they do. Find out what you like about them. It's a great way to get a hold of a whole bunch of pipes that we normally couldn't afford and get a chance to smoke some of those older pipes that are no longer made. Some of the old Danish stuff is great stuff. The old Sixtons, uh, really delicate, really unique pieces. Some of the other pipes I like to look for on the estate market are older Algerian briar. That's all they're stamped. Those are some good old smoking pipes as long as they're cleaned up and cleaned up well. Uh, look for stuff from the Connoisseur Shop of New York City. Uh, several American smaller factory pipes. Cellinis were made in Chicago. All great pipes made in the 50s and 60s. And if you get one that's cleaned up and in decent shape, it's a great smoker. I've seen them on eBay for deals. You'll see them on some of the larger websites that sell estate pipes. You'll find them in your brick-and-mortar store. All really good pipes. Older K. Woody's in particular. Lots of collectors on K. Woody older pipes. Check out the estate pipes. Don't be afraid of them. Give them... Give them a try. As long as they're cleaned up well, they'll smoke really well for you. Make sure, though, that the stems are original because that's kind of important to the collectability of the pipe. Uh, take a look around for some of the uh, some of the artisan and the high-grade pipes. It'll be a great chance for you to get your hands on a pipe that you would normally not be able to afford. That's how I built up my collection. And I'll tell you honestly... Man, I'm tired of being right. If you buy an estate pipe at the right price and you get that pipe and you smoke it and it just doesn't work out for you, give it a light cleaning. You'll be able to trade it back or maybe even sell it off at almost what you paid for it in most cases. So you you don't lose any value in it and you might land yourself one of one sweet smoker for your regular rotation. Can I get a tall chai? A uh, large black coffee. A what? Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. He means a venti, yeah, the biggest one you got. Venti is large. Mm, no, venti is 20. Danny. Yeah. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Yeah. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. Venti is a large coffee. Really? Says who? Fellini? How much is that? Here's a 10. Do you uh, accept lira or is it all euros? You know what? Just keep the change. Every time I go into Starbucks, all I order is a small black coffee, and half the time they turn around and ask me, do I want any room for cream? (laughs) Not in a black coffee, thanks. All right, we are back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Coming up in just a minute, Mary McNeil will be on the phone. Just a reminder that next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'll be in Richmond at the Core Pipe Show. If you're going to be at the Core Show, please come by the table and say hi. This is Internet Radio. Count the city, here I come. 
Joining me on the telephone is Mary McNeil, the kind, sweethearted innovator and creator behind McClellan Tobacco Company. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Brian. Uh, McClellan has been around now for 35 years? 35 this year. And what I find interesting is that uh, most people don't know that not only do you have your hands involved in every blend that McClellan's created, in fact, no disregards to the uh, other person that hangs out with you, but you've often been referred to as the uh, mastermind behind the blending there. Uh, (laughs) You are also the artist that creates all the label art. Yes, yes I am. How did that get how did that get started? How, do you have a background in art? No, no, I really don't. Uh I've always had an interest in art. Um uh, I remember when I was in uh in grade school, I uh we had an art teacher that came in weekly and taught us. And uh I remember I did a I did a drawing of Ricky Iceberg standing on a desk with a golf club or it may not have been it may have been something that was supposed to seem like a golf club and uh it was considered good enough that they showed it at the at at the nelson gallery so that was pretty thrilling so i kind of thought i had a little talent but by the time i got to uh, high school uh, all my friends were musically inclined and so rather than go into art uh i went for music, which I had absolutely no aptitude for, but I I did that uh, all the years of high school, and then I just dabbled, you know, in art. Um, I've taken classes, but never in a in an organized kind of way. It seems that almost everywhere I've worked, I've somehow gotten into a little design work or a little something. I enjoy it. What was the first piece of artwork that you created for McClelland? Uh, the emblem, the whale uh, jumping with the moon and the cirrus clouds and the uh, tobacco leaf wreath. A tobacco company, a pipe tobacco company in Kansas City, and you come up with the idea of a jumping whale for the logo. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that came from a story in my family. Um, Uh, My father was born in Greece, and he came over here to America when he was just 17 years old. His uh, parents sent him over here in 1915, and uh, they were just uh, from a poor little mountain village, um, farmers, um, sheep herders, and uh, he came in a, pardon me, he came by by freighter and it took a long time and he was uh, he was really scared he he didn't want to come uh and uh, he he didn't feel well on the ship and they stopped in many ports and it took months to get over here and he kept he was homesick and uh at some point out in the atlantic he looked out and he saw uh uh, I guess it, I think it's a pod of whales, and uh, it was so wonderful to him, so almost magical. And, and it, it, the magic was that it transformed his whole attitude. 
he all of a sudden, instead of dreading and being homesick, he became hopeful. And he started wondering, well, what other uh, adventures will there be? What other uh, interesting and, and unusual things will I find in this new world? And uh, it, it was just that transformation that kind of struck us. And we thought, okay, we're uh, <laughs> giving up our, our security. We're going into this little new basement operation with every cent we've got uh we we need to be looking forward we need to we and tobacco uh even then was uh, uh an endangered species in 1977 uh and we thought well the whale too is endangered and so on many levels that uh, that image struck us as being a good one for us musicians sometimes start a song by writing the lyrics or sometimes write a song by writing the music and then doing the lyrics second. When you're creating a new tobacco blend, do you have a label idea in mind? No. No, it all kind of comes together. Um, as, as you develop the blend, you start thinking about the, the leaf that you're using uh, the origin of the leaf. Uh, you you just I- imagine the the place where it came from. Uh, many many thoughts. Um, well, sometimes the sometimes we don't even know the name when we're working on a blend. We just think here is a blend that would maybe fill a niche and be a good one, and then. From there, you kind of come up with a name, and then the name sort of suggests an image. It goes from there. When or did, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> where, did, where did Frog Martin come from? Frog Martin came from Barry Levin. At that time, we were doing tins for Levin Pipes International, which would have been, I think, the early 1990s, late 1980s. And uh, Barry came up with a number of the names for those uh, tobaccos, which were private uh, label, and and they weren't private. I don't know what you would call it. It was a McClelland. How did that work? Uh, We had the personal reserve uh, labels that were McClelland labels, and he came up with a number of the names for those. And uh, then uh, he wanted to do Frogmorton. And uh, I, that suggested the image to me. And I came up with that uh, drawing of Frog Morton on the log, on the pond. And uh, I sent it off to him. And uh, it was just black and white. And he thought that was great. And his wife, Kathy, uh, uh, liked it very much. And then she painted it. And then when Barry died in 1994 suddenly uh that whole thing kind of fell apart kathy just uh just emotionally fell apart there for a while and uh, she didn't want to be dealing with the tobacco anymore we tried to get her to and then it did back and forth and then finally she just shipped everything to us and said you know do what you want i'm not going to do it anymore and in the middle of all that the original drawing for the original Frog Morton was lost. They had it. They had they had kept 
it. And uh, it was lost. And so then I, I had to redraw it and repaint it myself. And the label you see is, is that. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the new blends and some of the new frog versions and see frog in a whole new light. Kansas City, Missouri is Mary McNeil. Uh, Mary, the the non-Frog Morton tins. Are there any? Is there anyone in particular that you're proud of? Oh, let me think. Well, one that I like a lot is Deep Hollow, and also I like the the little fellow on the Townsman. Deep Hollow does seem to have the most use of color of any of the labels. Uh, what is going on on the label of Samovar? Oh, Samovar, that is a uh, a little tea ceremony in uh, Russia. Samovar being the vessel for tea. What made me What made me think of having you on the show was the the recent release of Frog Morton's Cellar. Just my opinion, but it's the prettiest Frog Morton label. Was that all done by hand? Uh, it was all done by hand, but not as as you see it on the label. Uh, I did the frog first, and I am not such an artist that I have great confidence in myself. So I thought, I don't want to mess this thing up. If I screw up the background, which is complicated, I I don't want to have to throw the whole thing away. So I did him sitting on his little stool with his pipe, um, just alone. Then in a separate painting, I did the background with the little uh, waterway and the boat and and the barrels. And uh, then I uh, went into Photoshop and I cut out the background on him and I uh, placed him uh, digitally. And and so it's, it's, it's all by hand, but but then it's also computer magic. What's Frog Morton's favorite drink, since I see it sitting there on the barrel? <laughs> well, 
he has many choices, but he has his own special whiskey that uh, that uh, he won't tell exactly what the grain is. But uh, I think it might be cattail, but I'm not sure. So not only will he not tell what the exact mixture is of his uh, pipe tobaccos, he won't talk about what his favorite whiskey exactly is. No, no. Awfully, He's a uh, secretive fellow. I'd say awfully, awfully close-lipped for a frog. <laughs> uh, has Frog Martin ever thought of having kids or settling down? Oh, I don't know. You know, there was that old song, Froggy Went a Courtin', but I don't know that he ever thought of marriage. <laughs> I do want to mention that there was, uh, since the McClellan, tin, the, the McClellan brand features a whale and Frog Morton is prominently uh, mentioned on there. I do want to mention that, and this goes along with the camaraderie of this industry, that there was a time that Mary and Mike tried to kill me. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll let everybody know that at, at that time I was working for Stokeby. I was in town, and one of the beauties of this business is that even as competitors, we are still good friends and still meet and talk to each other. Well, they invited me to the Kansas City Zoo for their members-only barbecue, and I think it was about 116 degrees in the shade that day. So I always uh, joke about the time that Mike and Mary tried to tried to kill me in the Kansas City Zoo. But you survived. I did survive. <laughs> I did, and... We only had to scrape a couple of animals off the rocks as they'd melted. <laughs> it was a miserable day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was miserable, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> have you gone to the? Have you gone back to the old country and specifically to to travel around to the tobacco growing regions? I have. Yes, um, I went back uh, the first time in. Uh, 1986, and uh, I met my cousins over there, and we traveled uh, to uh, to uh, see the village where my dad grew up. We were actually, we went into that house, and it was really wonderful. And uh, then I, I took uh, a flight from Athens on Olympic up to uh, Salonika. And there I met uh, people from the Alemanis factory. And uh, we went through and uh, studied the, the leaf and saw the differences, all the different individual uh, leaves from uh, the, the different kinds of, of oriental tobaccos. And uh, it was just wonderful. Uh, at that time, you, you couldn't buy individual types of leaf uh, like you wanted to. It was uh, kind of a government regulation that was intended to protect all the farmers. And so they made you do, you could, you could alter a blend, but it had to be a blend uh, so, that, so that everybody got a piece of the pie, I think, over there. The, those specific varieties of Orientals, are those grown in both Greece and Turkey? Because most of us know them as Turkish. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, it's really, uh, if you look at your map of Greece, uh, that little bridge that goes over from mainland Greece over over uh, the top of the uh, Aegean uh, 
sea there over to Turkey. Um, you know, that little portion of Turkey is, is actually European up there. Then then you, you get into Turkey itself and you have uh, certain varieties that are kind of along the coast and then others that are over more uh, on the southern shore of the Black Sea and then even even over on the eastern shore. Uh, but some of the finest, uh, most, uh, the sweetest, uh, uh, nicest uh, leaf is in that bridge between Greece and Turkey. And, of course, in the old days of the Ottoman Empire, that was all Turkish. If anybody's interested in dabbling around with the different varieties, uh, the Grand Oriental line of McClellan tobacco is a perfect opportunity to really get a get a taste of what each varietal offers. Uh, are you willing to... You know, to... there's, there's uh, something, Brian, that, that I think a lot of people might not realize. Uh, when you look at those Grand Oriental labels, the, uh, the leaf that is uh, in the background under the, the name, like uh, Smyrna Number no. 1, if you look at that leaf, that's a photograph, actual size... Of, of the oriental leaf and each label has the particular leaf that that's featured and i've always thought that that it's just so fascinating that those little tiny leaves you know maybe an inch and a half or two inches long that it's so amazing uh, when you think of a virginia or a burley leaf that's uh you know uh, two two feet long See, and there's something that, and, and the reason I'm enjoying doing this show so much is that I'm learning something every day, and I'm looking <laughs> so at we all. I'm looking at the pictures right now. Yeah. Can you give in about a minute advice to the listeners on how to taste test a blend? Oh, I I don't know that I can. Uh, when when we taste tobacco, you're looking for different things. Uh, when we taste raw leaf, that's the most difficult. Uh, I always do that in a in a little clay pipe uh, because that kind of pipe does not impart any flavor of its own. You know, briar can do that. Briar pipes, uh, <laughs> I think as Fred Hanna would say, some briar pipes are so wonderful that that you can put anything in them and it tastes good. So uh, if you take a clay, uh, you, you're going to get the, the actual flavor of the tobacco. When, when we taste the raw leaf, uh, it's, a, it's a, 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 a terrible experience in many ways because it's hot. It hasn't been uh, uh, aged. It hasn't been... Uh, manufactured it hasn't gone through the pressing and the and the aging to 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 mellow it uh so it's it's hot as blazes but but what you're looking for is uh the uh, you you're looking to avoid any off flavor or aftertaste that would indicate that there's something wrong that would that would show up later on um uh, once we've we've gone through all the things to make the components taste the way we we would like we uh, uh, and we make the blend then then we we select a particular pipe 
and then we, uh, or maybe two, and then we test it in that, and uh, we always write down all of our reactions, and then we alter the thing as we go along, depending on, on what we thought of it. Mary, I want to thank you for all your time. Thank you for all your work and all your contributions to the hobby. Well, thank you, Brian. This has been fun. This is Internet Radio. Hi, this is Sykes Wolford from SmokingPipes.com, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Make sure and check out the wide array of tobacco blends from McClellan, available at most retailers. Mike and Mary McNeil, the only husband and wife couple to ever have received Doctor of Pipes awards from the Chicagoland Pipe Show. If you're going to be in Chicago for the show, stop by their table and check them out. Mailbag coming up, the rant. I'll be back. We'll be back to the show in just a moment, but now... Random, Random thoughts, thoughts or, or what the f*** is he thinking? The difference between a proctologist and a politician is the proctologist will admit he's going to stick it to you. However, neither one will tell you how far. See, I told you. And now back to our show. Wow, this show's going by really quick. All right, we still have the mailbag to go we still have the rant to go this piece of music i'm going to play right now is from the stereocratic party it's a song called i smoke a pipe and i was first introduced to this song by jeff grasick of j allen pipes i think you guys will like it Sherlock Holmes I smoke a pipe when I'm on the road It makes me feel like I'm right at home Until my girl starts to bitch and moan So I'll just have to smoke and talk all alone I think I'll even take the hook off the phone
is H2O. I love my pipes. Whether I'm jogging or riding my bike, to smoke is just to feel alright. That's why I like to smoke my pipes. Some guys like football and such, but I prefer the sweet taste of touch of my pipe. Licking my lip while I puff and feel real hip. Cosmics are cool, don't you see? Whatever you call a race or creed. Native Americans, they all had it right. They hunted with bows and arrows and they all seem to smoke a pipe. I smoke a pipe. I mean, how cool is a song that's got uh, psychology stuff in it, got science in it, and it's about smoking a pipe, and they work a Sassini four dot into the song. That's pretty cool if you ask me. All right, coming up at the end of the show, the rant. Let me remind you, I will be at the Richmond Core Expo this weekend. Stop by the table and see me. Follow me on Facebook. Just search for Brian Levine. On the forums, any questions or comments about the radio show, please leave them there. I do read them all the time. Last week's trivia question. The answer is Tsarina Catherine the Great. She didn't want to soil it. It was a Dutch manufacturer that created lace doilies and wrapped around the cigars. This week's trivia. Think about the entire world. What country in the world grows the most tobacco? What country in the world grows the most tobacco? You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. A couple of comments came my way about the ranking of pipes. Yes, you are correct. The quality of the material does affect a pipe. However, it's really the quality of the engineering, in my opinion. And yes, you can. As I said earlier, by, with estate pipes, you can find some really good smoking pipes in all different prices. want to say a special thank you to friend of mine that contacted me on Facebook he listened to the show with a couple of other friends sitting out in the desert of Afghanistan guys be safe keep smoking and enjoy get home soon the show will every week will have an interview the interview may not be from a pipe maker but it'll be somebody in the industry like a Mary McNeil uh, maybe somebody who is a hobbyist something interesting I want the show and the people that are interviewed to resemble conversations that you might have at your pipe club meeting or at your pipe show. Remember, again, the show will be every Thursday. A new episode goes up on PipesMagazine.com. Shortly after that, it'll be available as soon as iTunes picks it up. We had close to 6,000 listeners for the first show. want to get this thing rolling and keep it going. 
If you're interested in being a sponsor on the show or have a promotional idea with the show, please contact Kevin Godby at PipesMagazine.com. He handles all that. I'm just the mouth with the big lips and the big opinion. You always have a very smooth explanation ready, huh? What do you want me to do, learn to study? And it is my own opinion. I welcome yours any time. Cowboy. Cowboy. It's my favorite time of the show, and as you know, recently I was in upstate New York, and the Pyramid Management Group owns about 26, looks like 26 malls up in the upstate area. They have deemed it necessary to make sure that you're extra healthy, so here's what they've done. They have made, and I quote, their entire mall facilities a smoke-free, tobacco-free campus. No smoking outside in the parking lot on their property. So I happened to be up there doing some business, stopped in, wanted to buy a new sample suitcase. And I walk up there and I see the sign that says tobacco-free campus. I figure, all right, you know, whatever. I understand a public school becoming a tobacco-free campus. I understand a hospital wanting to call themselves a tobacco-free campus. However, the campus term bothers me in the first place but for a mall that's a place of commerce to want to ban all smoking from the mall grounds no smoking in the parking lots no smoking in the entrances i decided to ask him all right what do you do well we asked the person to put out the cigarette put out whatever they're smoking extinguish it or we ask them to leave the mall if they don't leave the mall then what do you do we call the local police we have them trespassed getting arrested for not abiding by the landowner's policies. Now, this is a mall, and I'm not going to get on the health food kick again because I did that once before, but this is a mall that has a food court. This is a mall that has anchor stores. This is a mall that had a TJ Maxx store that had a suitcase in it that I wanted, but when I went in there to buy it, I decided that I was just going to look and see because I was not going to give any of my money that is obviously earned with the proceeds from the sale of tobacco products and might possibly have third-hand cancer on it or carcinogens and might harm the poor people working in that mall. I don't want to I don't want to hurt them. That mall has determined that just being in the vicinity of smoke is disgusting and they don't want it. So I go into TJ Maxx, I ask him, all right, where's the nearest one that's not in a mall that's owned by this company? Because I'm not spending a dime here. The poor lady behind the counter looks at me like I've got three eyes and maybe some orange goo coming out of my right ear. But anyway, she gives me the address. Long story short, turns out the entire Pyramid Management Group, Crossgates Mall, 26 malls in the upstate New York and Massachusetts area has decided to go smoke-free. I ended up finding a suitcase at a Marshall's. Just as nice, same price, feel sorry for TJ Maxx, but not my problem. At least the Marshall's was nice enough to have an ashtray out in front if you decided to smoke out there. Now, we as pipe smokers, we may not want to smoke out there, but you know what? Let's not give our money to people that don't even give us the option to do it outdoors, away from the entrance, in a public place. That's what I got to say. That's what I do. 
make them feel it in their wallets. Maybe they'll change. That's the rant for this show. That's the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Come by and see me in Richmond this weekend. I know I'll have a whole bunch of fun, and maybe next week I'll give you a little bit of a report on what happened in Richmond. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Hey, water boy! Yes, Mr. Coach, for you. You're fired! Okay. <laughs>